0: everybody. Welcome to the May 12, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Let's get a quick take on CU Boulder transitioning one of its residence halls into a social justice living environment, specifically creating three living learning communities addressing the needs of students who identify as black or LGBTQIA or who are interested in multicultural issues. Patty Calhoun from Westward, we've had a lot of fun with CU Boulder uh, over the years. This is something where they kind of damn if they do, damn they don't. But this latest release of what they want to do, what are your thoughts?
1: Is it 1973 again? <laughs> because certainly when I was at Cornell, that's what they did. They created dorms like that, although uh, I don't remember that they did one for gender issues, but certainly black, mul- multicultural issues. You know, I think things that make for college kids that work out, you don't necessarily have to do it just for ethnic issues or gender issues. Having affinity groups in certain dorms, I don't think it's a bad idea.
0: David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School, where are you on this one?
2: It's obviously illegal if we followed our Colorado Constitution, Article 9, uh, Section 8 from our 1876 Constitution, which was far more progressive and non-racist than the current CU leadership. Uh, says that in public institutions of education, nor shall any distinction or classification of pupils be made on account of race or color, period. They're creating a segregated dorm. It violates our Constitution. It violates the point of America. It violates the point of a university, which is diversity, where you live and interact with people who are different from you, and they want to put these people in a monoculture. Um you can argue for or against the idea, uh, but our Constitution provides the conclusive legal answer on CU's racist segregation policy.
0: Eric Sodom, political analyst, Uh, I don't have to quote the Colorado Constitution from 1876 in your analysis, but I know CU walks that fine line of not doing enough to foster diversity. We've had some other uh, racist problems up at CU that we've talked about.
3: then also something like this, I'm not sure if it goes too far or not. What do you think? I mean, Boulder has its issues, and more perhaps the city even than the university, but I mean this one took me by surprise. Am I right? This is a university headed by Bruce Benson uh, with a Republican-dominated Board of Regents, so we're now going to take Hallett Hall, which is the hall there uh, in question here, turn it, I don't know what they're going to call it, Snowflake Hall or something like that. <laughs> Personally, I think it is a brilliant idea, and I'd like to do it around this table. Uh, I think we need affinity groups around this table because every once in a while david patty Penn, somebody will say something with which I disagree. It makes me profoundly uncomfortable, uh, and it threatens my well being I feel like I need to you know go to uh, there should be a trigger warning perhaps on David before he he talks <laughs> on occasion um, so you know, who needs diversity around this table? Who needs diversity on college campuses, particularly diversity of opinion and different points of view? I think it is a great idea, and let's start here. <laughs>
0: well, uh, Penn Tate, attorney at QTAC Rock, and also a longtime state lawmaker, we keen on you to uh, wrap it up for us. What are your thoughts? I mean, you're, uh, you're very familiar with uh, the town of Boulder and everything the CU does. Is this the right move? Does it deserve what it's been, uh, how it's been analyzed so far?
4: Well, first, I would say to our viewers, hearing Eric's plea for therapeutic intervention, they should email you at the station. <laughs> um, you know, Boulder and CU in particular has had racial issues that that date back to the '50s, quite frankly. So it's been something CU has struggled with for years. Uh, what I find more interesting will be the student response to this. Um, action. Because as I've read about it, my sense is that students are expressing a desire to be in, in a safer, more inclusive environment where they feel comfortable. So I disagree with David's sort of constitutional bent. I don't think the university is corralling people and say, all of y'all go over here. I think it's students self-selecting to be there if they so choose. What I'm interested to see is if it it catches on with students or if the university is trying to respond to something that's not really an issue.
0: In the wake of President Trump's firing of FBI Director James Comey, Colorado's congressional delegation released several different statements. Representative Diana DeGette called for Congress to set up an independent commission to investigate the POTUS connection to Russia. Meanwhile, U.S. Senators Cory Gardner and Michael Bennett each called for an in-depth look into Russian influence into the 2016 election. Patty, the cable news shows have beaten the sucker to death, and rightfully so. It's a big issue. So let's concentrate on the effects of, in Colorado and the Colorado delegation. Do you think this was an odd thing for the Colorado, especially the Colorado Republican lawmakers, to have to come up with a statement about uh, on the fly? I know we, I remember the, the Twitter feed following Kyle Clark. He was impatiently waiting for a statement from Mike Kaufman, or excuse me, it was actually Senator Cory Gardner. Uh, what kind of pickle do you think the situation put... Uh, that th- this put uh, Colorado lawmakers in.
1: Well, the same pickle that all lawmakers are in, which is how do you deal with a White House that can't get its story straight? And as of yesterday, all of a sudden we found out that it was not because the assistant attorney general had done this whole memo about how Comey had to go because of his bad behavior towards Hillary Clinton, and we all believed that. But yesterday, Donald Trump actually told Lester Holt that well, it was kind of because of this. Comey was going to go because of this Russia and stuff. It was a little hard to parse his sentence. But so Colorado and all all legislators need to decide what they're going to say. And are they going to call for an independent investigation, which Kauffman just did, which is really an interesting move for him. I mean, that's uh, Gardner was calling for investigations, but he wants it to stay with the FBI, whoever might still be left at the FBI.
0: David, do you think GOP candidates are seeing this as something that may follow them as a problem into 2018? We're far away from that election, but we're not far away from the production of campaign ads and everything else that Democrats can be lining up against what should be vulnerable uh, Republican candidates this year, or next year, rather.
2: Yes, there's a national Quinnipiac poll, which on the generic U.S. House ballot gives Dems plus 16, which is enormous. And if, if that held out, that's a tsunami-size thing. This is the... Uh, and Representative Kaufman has agreed with Representative DeGette about an, an independent uh, commission. I would say that the House investigation has completely collapsed because of ridiculous partisanship among the leadership on both sides. But the, the Senate investigation where the committee is headed by Grassley and uh, it, it is much more serious and, and proper. So there 's some hope for that. Uh, this is a, another example of how Donald Trump represents the complete triumph of Clintonism in the Democratic Party. Uh, you know not only did he got fired because she's the he 's the one she blames uh for her loss, but we have the the same Clinton thing of the principal does something stupid and indefensible and then gets a lot of bad publicity about it, and the principal's reaction is to throw a tantrum and blame all of his or her aides uh, for not fixing, you know, the problem. So you, you drive your car um, into Cherry Creek, and, you know, you start calling and, and yelling at the, at the car mechanic and, uh, you know, the, the uh, person who, who helped you buy the car with a, with a loan. It's also very Clinton-esque because it is... 24 years ago today, I believe, almost April 21st, 2013, when President Bill Clinton fired Bill Sessions, the FBI director, who I, th- I think, over the course of the entire course of the FBI, had more integrity uh, than anyone else. And it's what the critics said at the time was right. It was a preview for a presidential administration that would be pervaded by sleaze, corruption, lies cover-up, and foreign bribery. Um, So Donald Trump, with this idea that he's going to put this Russia thing behind him by firing Comey, put aside, even if he was a nefarious, he's not he may be nefarious, but he's no evil genius, because this is the most spectacular backfire you could imagine to elevate the issue. SpongeBob SquarePants has a better ability to think ahead and... and plan strategically than Trump does. The damage to himself in, in his sub-SpongeBob uh, performance this week is, is just to him. But if we were in some foreign crisis, this is not the kind of guy uh, who's displaying the ability uh, to think about things in a, uh, even in a short-term way.
0: Eric, I don't know if um, Sean Spicer is hiding in a pineapple under the sea, uh, a la Sp- <laughs> Sp- France, but I wouldn't blame him for doing so. Uh, we, we're getting accustomed to the fire hose of issues that are coming out of the White House. It was a little weird in the beginning, but now we're just used to a fleet of tweets, everyone having to quote a lot of different sources, people getting caught flat-footed within the administration, outside the administration. But outside of D.C. and getting into a place like Colorado... It's really a purple state. We're going to have a competitive congressional uh, races in 2018, statewide candidates who are not affiliated with D.C., but that's still part of the partisanship. Are we going to
3: see some of these bigger issues out of D.C. affect what's going on in Colorado? Oh, absolutely we are, and we have for a number of election cycles now. It used to be a rule decades ago, quote, unquote, all politics is local. I almost think that's been turned on its head these days, mm-hmm. all politics is national. You have people running for local office. I I noticed somebody announced his candidacy, a credible guy, Phil Weiser, announced his candidacy this week for Attorney General of Colorado. Whole platform was standing up to Donald Trump. So you take a local office, it's the opposite of what it was 20 years ago, Dominic, now everything has become federalized. Donald Trump is a piece of that, but this was going on before Donald Trump. So many angles of this, and it's been a wild, wild week. And if Donald Trump did not know the reaction that was going to ensue, then he's tone deaf. And whatever other criticisms out there you have of Donald Trump, I don't think he's completely tone deaf. I mean, I think any time that Donald Trump is the center of conversation is in some respects almost a good day for Donald Trump. I mean, in that textbook narcissism or what have you Um, and Lord knows he is the center of conversation again we are 110 or 115 days in to a 1400 some odd day administration it is hard to see how this intensity sustains itself not only was the firing weird but the optics that fire that followed it the next morning you wake up to see Henry Kissinger with an unannounced un at least it hadn't been on the official schedule, visit to the Oval Office, and I'm not a Kissinger critic necessarily, um, but A, it's pretty dated. B, it is completely Nixonian. I mean, who staged that one? And then he's ushered out, and you bring in the Russian foreign minister and the Russian ambassador. The optics... and and, The other piece that just fascinates me these days is I have no idea. I used to know, okay, you give me a Democrat, you give me a Republican, and I can sort of predict where they're going to come down on most issues. I have no idea what it means, particularly to be a Republican these days. To be a Republican used to be, you meant you were interested in balanced budgets, you were interested in free trade, you were tough on Russia and skeptical of Russia and trust but verify with Russia to steal the Reagan line all that's been turned on its head I have no idea and whether it's during the Trump administration or what whatever follows Donald Trump I have no idea how they redefine what that party is
0: Pam we talked about how this could affect the 2018 election here in Colorado because it's supposed to be some pretty tight races but as Democratic strategists are coming together in these coming months and look at all these variety of issues they could focus on what's the best way for them to look at it so to not overplay their hand First, I'm not certain you could
4: overplay this hand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: You
4: know, if you're sitting at a poker table and you get four aces or or a straight flush, you're pretty happy, and this is just about a straight flush. You you know, I I think what's happening, and to go to David's point about the Quinnipiac poll, um, this president is doing more to injure the Republican Party brand and candidates for that party than, than... any possible thing I could have imagined. So I don't know if you can overplay it because he keeps giving you issue after issue. And it's not just that the substance of the issue is not enough. I mean, did the president and his campaign have inappropriate conversations or ties with Russia? The cover up is worse. And bungling the cover up is even far worse than that so now the problem is did you do something wrong but now you're showing a complete lack of integrity and an inability to tell the truth and so that ripples throughout and 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 what i think we're going to see happen is we start moving into this next cycle is Colorado is a purple state and in many ways um, Eric asked the question what does a Republican stand for anymore and I think if you look in Colorado you'll find the answer you won't find it in Washington DC because too many of Republican leadership there is just happy that they have power or the perception of power they'll do and let anything happen which is why President Trump is doing what he's doing. But here locally, it's why Cory Gardner and Mike Kaufman or others are saying, we've been backed into a corner. We don't have a choice. This guy's just off the chain. Time for an independent investigation. We need to maintain some personal accountability and credibility to the people of Colorado. And that's what I think you'll see happening. But they're going to have to do some heavy rowing because this president isn't making it easy for
0: anyone who has the Republican brand right now. The 2017 legislative session ended this week without major fanfare, but with some significant compromises passed over the year. Some high-profile last-minute bills failed to pass, but the mood as the session ended was generally upbeat as neither party seemed to get much of its agenda through this year. However, Governor Hickenlooper is toying with the idea of calling a special session to address issues he feels were not tackled in the regular session. David, specifically, Governor Hickenlooper is looking at the, the fact that the Colorado Energy Office is not funded after July and the fact that he feels transportation funding wasn't addressed appropriately. Is that enough to call a
2: special session? It's up to him, so sure. Uh, but I, I think, as uh, Senate President Grantham said, it's not going to change any results. Everything he's, he wants, they talked about before and chose not to implement what he wanted. The Governor's Energy Office, uh, which is right, it's, it's not like a cabinet department or something like that, it's, it's under his immediate thumb. And it does not was not eliminated, but the the funding was reduced compared to how big it was. Um, that's that's been one of the biggest uh, sources of money wasting in Colorado government for years. Uh, Roy Romer used it to park his campaign manager uh, between elections to head the energy office. Frank DiFilippo, now a, a who's been a lobbyist for many years, but was in the state legislature. Uh, a couple decades ago, uh, tried to kill it, and, you know, it was one of his regrets that he wasn't able to, to get it. If you want to find a place that, that that's wasting money and doing very little to accomplish its, its purported objectives um, other than patronage, um, that, that's a, a, a good place to start. Uh, the legislature did some good things. They passed a bill to require free speech on public university campuses. After... For example, Republican students from CU testified, oh, that when when somebody protests a right-wing speaker, well, they can have the protest right outside the door of the building, which is fine, as long as they're peaceful and they don't disrupt it. But when we uh, wanted to protest a pro-abortion speaker, they put us three buildings away so nobody could see us and the speaker didn't have to even look at our presence um, on the way into the building. they also passed an important reform of the Open Records Act, so that people uh, can get, in this electronic era, uh, open records requests fulfilled in an electronic form rather than some photocopy.
0: Eric, your
3: highlights in the main session and the likelihood of a special session? My highlights of the main session are, I think this was an incremental session, which stands in pretty good contrast to the last couple sessions, which I think have been stalemate sessions. So no, neither party got their whole agenda, and you wouldn't expect that in a split, divided legislature like this, but there were issues moved forward, and I think it does stand in, in good contrast to recent sessions. David hit a couple, the, the the free college campus free speech bill, the Open Records Act in a digital age, the charter school equalization funding of uh, charter schools that went through at the last minute is a very positive step forward for Colorado, and obviously the big bill, I forget, the uh, Senate Bill 267, which was the macro compromise at the end that had hospital provider fee, funding for rural hospitals, road funding and some education funding, many pieces tied into that. In terms of special session, I thought um, the President Grantham's comment was telling both in terms of what the outcome of the special session would be, but in terms of the implicit criticism of Governor Hickenlooper that if he really wanted to engage, he had plenty of opportunities to engage during the regular session. John Hickenlooper has a very different style. He's never going to be confused with the Roy Romer or Bill Owens or people who are much more hands-on in terms of the sausage-making process. He tends to be more hands-off. Now he's thinking of special session. He's, He's thought of that before at the end of other sessions and has always backed away from it. We'll see what he comes up with this weekend. Penn, as a lawmaker, you were involved in a
0: few special sessions. Is Do you think there's enough meat here for Governor Hickelberger to actually call a special session and will it amount to anything?
4: Uh, meat is irrelevant. What there isn't is the political will. As a practical matter, a governor can't call a special session unless you know going in that you have basically a deal worked out on the issues you want to cover. Uh, during my time when I served, I think I did four special sessions, and every time we knew we were going to be called, we also knew that someone was working with the governor's office on a piece of legislation and the question was what it looked like and whether there'd be enough votes to pass it. So as a, he can think about it all he wants. He's not going to do it unless he knows he can get the things accomplished he wants. Um, the legislature did, I think, have a good session. Uh, Eric talked about sort of the omnibus bill that dealt with a whole... Bo- host of things. Uh, There was also a a sort of a middling compromise with construction defects. We'll see how that works out. Maybe at a minimum it may stop people from wrangling about it for a while just to see if the dust settles and if cities stop passing their own construction defects legislation. On the governor's energy office, one important point, um, I don't think um, it was a a waste of money. Um, I do think it served a vital role, which is why Republicans in the Senate killed it. And the reason they killed it is they wanted to try to elevate the prominence of the oil and gas industry over the renewable energy industry. And and it's dealing with a clash that's growing in our state. And that is that our reliance on fossil fuels is rapidly declining because of advances in technology. And at some point, you're not going to be able to legislate propping up certain industries just because the technology has evolved to the point where they have become obsolete. And coal is seeing that in the in the Midwest and in the east now.
0: Patty, how will the session be remembered and will there be overtime?
1: It'll definitely be remembered as the session that put an end to us talking about construction defects and the hospital provider fee at least for a few months until we find out that maybe the new legislation won't stop construction defects lawsuits or that people won't start building condos but we'll have to follow up on all that to see what happens. The hospital provider fee, that compromise, will also be one of the reasons that I think we won't see a special session because we really don't know the complete impact of what that's going to do for money that's going to be available for transportation. Colorado clearly needs to have a big discussion about transportation and what we're going to do to fix our roads, but I don't see it happening in a special session. There were some great moments at this legislature, not the least of them at the the very last day when all of a sudden they started wrangling on where you could consume pot publicly and they actually had a discussion of how many people could smoke pot on a front porch without it becoming a criminal act and the difference was six. If you were five, it was okay. Six was a criminal act. That fortunately went away, but the legislature is going to have to deal with it. They also showed a photo of Friends, the cast of Friends, at the legislature <laughs> for a first in Colorado.
0: <laughs> to be putting images of Central Perk and Monty Python counting off the holy hand grenade—that's a—it's a, a great uh, image you have from the, uh, the closing of the session. Let's get to our favorite part of the show: disgrace the week. As always, Ms. Cahoon, please start us off.
1: Well, the Hans Meyer law firm has once again found evidence of ICE going into our courthouses and making arrests that they are not supposed to do, that they've been told not to do, that are potential violations of constitutional rights, and that Denver and other Colorado counties rightly are very concerned about.
2: David, speaking of courthouse shenanigans, uh, an abusive plaintiff, who goes around uh, Colorado and New Mexico and other places ginning up phony lawsuits against businesses for supposed violations of the Americans' Disabilities Act, and the predatory, unethical law firm uh, that they work with uh, is finally getting in trouble uh, in, in the federal courts.
3: Eric? So many possibilities this week. It's, uh, outrage uh, uh, is all over this week. I'll stay here locally. Uh, the Denver Citizens Oversight Board Um, that monitors the police department, wrote a very harsh letter, but I think a write-on letter to manager of safety Stephanie O'Malley. We've talked about on this show before, this is the Michael Marshall issue. Uh, The prisoner clearly mentally disturbed. His death was classified as a homicide, yet the the punishment handed out to three sheriff deputies ranged from 10-day suspensions to 16-day suspensions. Uh, the Citizens' Oversight Board was right here to call the Safety Department on clearly inadequate punishment, punishment that nowhere came near fitting the situation.
4: Penn. Uh, where we started, President Trump, uh, he is setting a disturbing tone for this country.
0: We have a viewer submitted a Disgrace of the Week. Terry Rafferty said that his disgrace was in Stephen Colbert and quote, said his, quote, vile remarks regarding President Trump. He said, imagine if anyone else on TV keeping their jobs for even five minutes if they had said this about President Obama. Now we get to say something nice about somebody.
1: Patty. Well, I have to say, Eric says things like that just as off color all the time before the cameras start running. (laughs) Wow. Go ahead and complain. You can have your own little affinity group. (laughs) You brought it up first. All right. So to get to a happy note, Happy Mother's Day on Sunday. A special happy Mother's Day to my own mother, who's back in Colorado, and also to director Stephen of this show, whose mother Susan is a faithful watcher. Happy Mother's Day to her.
2: Here, here, David. The Colorado Channel, Channel 165 on, on Comcast, which broadcasts the legislature. So at the end of the session, when all the stuff was going on on the floor, you could watch it from home on TV, which is a big impression improvement in transparency from the olden days, when the only way you could find out the shenanigans in progress uh, was to physically go down to the Capitol
3: to watch. Eric? Well, despite that cheap political attack, <laughs> happy Mother's Day to Patty's mother, happy Mother's Day to my mother, who is also a viewer of this program, um, and to all mothers out there. Uh, going different, uh, I don't think it's been touched on this show. We had a death in the journalism, or at least the former journalism world a few weeks ago, A name from the past, Wendy Bergen, Mm. uh, who certainly her career ran aground at Channel 4, and it deserved to run aground for some misdeeds. This was back in her youth, probably 30 years ago. She definitely turned her life around, was a major valuable contributor on the civic and charitable scene around Denver, and passed away under weird circumstances while out for a run.
4: I'm not dumb. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and grandmothers out there. Happy Mother's Day, Mama, to my wife, to Mrs. Nylon. Happy Mother's Day. But also, I just want to give a shout-out to the General Assembly. Um, for our legislators who work so hard, I'm trying to make this a better state. I think they had a good session.
0: Well, I'll make it unanimous by saying uh, i say something nice about my mom as well. So, a big fan of the show, and uh, I always seem to do a good job, at least according to my mom, so it's always nice to hear. <laughs> That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out a, night, a great night of programming this upcoming Wednesday night when we feature our Royal Trifecta, three great programs looking at the royal family. As always, be sure to check out our podcast on iTunes and for our CIO postgame segment on Twitter and Facebook. For everyone here at, at Channel 12, I'm Dominic D'Azuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. Thank you